you are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. I'm going to challenge you this morning with this word, and I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Turn with me quickly with me, Matthew and chapter 6. If you're just tuning in today, I'm speaking to those on podcast, but also for those of you that are visiting with us for the first or second week and you didn't hear me begin the series, when the, when the start of a series called Freedom, and there are so many elements where people are imprisoned. The Bible says that the truth will set you free. Absolutely. And we think that when we're set free from one thing, we're set free from everything. But I want you to understand when you are set free, when you accepted Jesus into your heart, you're set free from the power of sin over your life. And then you're water baptized. It is demolished. The old man is dead. But what happens is, is that we have these habits in our lives. We have these dysfunctions that we carry with us. We've been raised in homes. We've observed how our parents, if we had two parents, uh, acted and behaved, and we thought that that was normal. And we, we, for some of us, we didn't have parents. We grew up with people who raised us. I grew up in a boarding school, so I didn't have parents growing up. I, I grew up with spinster aunties when I was in primary school. Then I grew up with dorm parents. It had to be shared among like 30 guys. So I never really got to see what it was like to have a mom and a dad. And so I understood that I have a certain level of dysfunction. And I had to learn a lot over the years. And I've had spiritual fathers and mothers who've cared for me and helped me grow and become a man of God that I am today. But I want to tell you that every one of us seated in this place today suffers with a level of dysfunction in our lives. And what the Word of God does as we dig into it, it begins shifting and changing until we become more like the kingdom culture, the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So if you didn't get the podcast two weeks ago, I started with a series, and the first one we talked about was the prison of words. So we're going to set you free from prisons. Father, we pray right now that the Word of God will set us free. Jesus preached from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus is making war on poverty. And he said, I've been sent to set captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to release captives from the darkness of prisons. In the name of Jesus, we set captives free today. Hallelujah. Let's read together Matthew 6, 9 to 15. You already know it. You memorized it. You don't even know it. You ready for it? Matthew 6, starting from verse 9. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. There is a content that was missing when we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. 
We get a passage and a portion that we understand. And we believe, we've been led to believe that the entirety of what Jesus taught about how to pray is this actual prayer. What you don't understand is that the rabbis of that day taught in outline format. They didn't teach you the whole thing. What they were supposed to do is cause you, we've started to understand this today in our level of teaching called inquiry, right? Inquiry way of learning. So you are supposed to be posed with a question. Your learning comes by trying to discover more answers to that question. In fact, you have more questions raised as a result of the question that God will give you. So here's the rabbi saying, when you pray, pray like this. And let me tell you, some of you are new to this, I'll share this. He was blowing the people away. Remember, Jesus drew crowds. According to the figures, it was 5,000 men. They didn't even count the women or the children. So as far as we know, there would have been at least 12,000 people following Jesus everywhere. Think about that with no amplification of any sort. He's trying to teach, and I don't know if they were whispering to each other, so he looked for hills where his voice could travel downhill, downwind, or he looked, uh, he would, was in a boat pushing out on the water because he understood that water, because remember he created everything, his voice would be amplified over the water. Preaching to 5,000 men plus their wives plus their children, 12,000 people, and so they're waiting on every word. He says, this is how you pray. See, everybody knew that Jesus had some sort of power because they're seeing it in front of their eyes. The deaf people are hearing. The blind people are seeing. The lame are walking and leaping and praising God. The people who are demon-possessed are being released. The deaf and the dumb are speaking and hearing. This is where you're supposed to make some noise. I'm preaching well right now. And God wants to do the same thing for you today. He's the same God from yesterday, today, and forever. As he's preaching these things, they're wondering, how does he pray? There's a power in the way he prays, and if we can tap into the way he prays, we can tap into the heavenly realm. We can tap into the supernatural realm. We can do the things Jesus did. In fact, Jesus said, surely you will do greater things than I've done. I still can't get my head about around that. You will do greater things than Jesus did. Look at that person next to you. Just look at them for a moment. Look at the other person. That person sitting next to you is going to do greater things than Jesus did. You start getting a hold of this kind of stuff, it is life-changing. You are not supposed to live an ordinary life. The ordinary life of a Christian is by the world's standards supernatural. You are extraordinary. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not normal. Turn to the person behind you and say, they are not normal. You guys are radical. You are crazy. So everybody is listening because they thought, okay, I want to live a radical life. I want to live the way that Jesus lived. How do I do it? So Jesus says, okay, here's what you do. Pray like this. He says this. Daddy God in heaven. And uh, let me tell you, well, you know, they're, they're, all their eyes are looking at him saying, you can't say that. That's blasphemy. You can't say daddy God. Who do you think he is? This God is a God above the universe who created the heavens and the earth. You can't talk to him in a personal way. He's not that kind of God. He steps outside, the time, outside of time and reality. And he's at work over the whole surface of the planet. You don't have a personal relationship with him. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to completely shatter the way that you've seen God. You call him... Ab, 
Abba. It had another word for father. Father. But instead of choosing that word, he chooses the word daddy. Sometimes I do that. I've led you in prayer. You're like, oh, it feels really weird. Oh, daddy God in heaven. But that's what he wants to be called. He is not some distant God out in the atmosphere, you know, looking at your life, laughing at you when you fall down, you know, having a good chuckle. He's like, oh, my goodness, my kid fell. Come on, send some help. Pete Mack, go and help them. Ruth, go and help that person. He's called you to help them out because he loves them. So he says, ab, and they're like, this is, I mean, I'm trying to deal with this word for a minute. Daddy God? Daddy God is what you call him. He says, I want you to personalize who he is. I want you, to, you notice Jesus didn't say, when you pray, pray like this. Dear Jesus, some of you are going to be really upset with me. He didn't say, dear Holy Spirit. When he taught to pray, he says, when you pray, how often should you pray? All the time, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God, Bible says, quote, unquote. He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Okay, number one. So the people, so they were, they were having a hard time with that one. That was tough. Then he says, okay, next one. Uh, no, no, I have, let me, I'm moving on too fast. That word heaven, the Jewish people understood what he was saying. When God created the heavens and the earth, the first heavens is the one that we live in. It's called the sky. You breathe in heaven. You breathe out heaven. Did you know that? You already live in heaven. We change, I'll let that sink in for a moment. We changed the King James Version and we, we called it sky. But originally it was heaven. This is the first heaven. We're living in it now. The second heaven, we're outer space and where angels and, and demons dwell. The third heavens where God dwells up till, I don't know, seventh heaven. It could be upteen heavens. I don't know. All I know is we don't live there right now. We live in this heaven, in this present reality. So I was remember this uh, friend he was teaching. He's, he's uh, good with, with this kind of teaching in, in Jewish things. And he said what they were really saying was this. Daddy, when you pray, pray like this. Daddy God, who lives in the air I breathe. Do you understand how radical your prayer is? It's changing everything. You're giving him absolute praise, absolute honor, absolute glory. You're not keeping him a hand's distance away, but you're saying, you're right here with me. You're my daddy, God, listening to everything. Okay, here's what I want to pray. Jesus, I want you to pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to examine right now across this week. If you prayed, I'm saying if because I know not everyone prays. Oh, Pastor, sure? I did pray for my food. Did you? When you went to McDonald's? Smith Wigglesworth used to say, uh, it, it talks about how he went to, uh, read his biography, Australia of all places. And he was in there in a restaurant and he was looking around. This is back in the old days, right? He's looking around and he gets up. <clears throat> Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. You have not given credit to the creator who provided all things for you. Please stand with me as we pray. The whole restaurant stood up as Smith Wigglesworth led them in prayer. Don't you go shying away in the corner. I hope no one sees in me praying as I pray. I'll do it purposely because I know you don't have to close your eyes to pray. Do you know that? You don't have to. It was supposed to remove distraction. That's why we did it. But just so people know I am a Christian, I will close my eyes. 
You know, other times we're taking too long. I'm looking at Pete Max. We're praying in there. We're going for it. You know, we, we're in there. We look at each other, gazing, and then we close our eyes again, go for it. I do that as a testimony for people. I don't do it at home. I open my eyes most of the time when I'm praying. Okay? I want to see into the heavenly realms. I want to see into the natural realms because Jesus said, watch and pray. I'm getting carried away. Let me keep going. And he says, okay, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Can God do anything he wants to do? Some of you are not sure. Can God do anything he wants to do? Yes. So why did he ask you to pray for his will to be done? If he's going to do it anyway, why is he bothering asking you to pray like this? All the disciples of Jesus are taught to pray this prayer. Your king dominion come. Your will be done, which is one and the same thing, because when the king's domain has come, whatever the king wants, the king gets. So he's saying, I want you to pray for my king dominion to come until heaven invades earth, until earth begins to reflect the glory of heaven. Until the culture of earth begins to reflect the culture of heaven. Until the atmosphere of earth begins to become the atmosphere of heaven. Until the values, the cultural values of earth become the cultural values of heaven. And he says, I want you to pray for yourself. Give us today our daily bread. You're allowed to pray for your daily needs. It's okay. Some of you feel guilty about asking for stuff for yourself. Ask for it, but just pray the other stuff first. Okay? Then ask for stuff for yourself. God, grant me the Mercedes. Well, not necessarily, but you need a new car. Pray for the new car. He might actually give it to you. You never know. God is so good. Right after he says, pray for your personal needs, the next bit is this. So we got some people among the church, and I'm not here to slam any other churches. I won't even mention any by name, that preach this hyper-grace teaching saying, Jesus died for sins once and for all and for all time. So you don't have to keep confessing your sins when you sinned again, because when you said the prayer to accept Jesus into your heart, you've already had forgiveness for all your sins. Then why did Jesus say, when you pray, pray like this, how often should you pray? All the time. You're always doing repentance. For if, so he says, forgive us our debts. As we also, it's not just about you, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you understand this? It's a prayer of repentance every time you pray. Do you know why Jesus told us to pray that? Because you keep sinning. And he keeps forgiving. And even though your sin rises, his grace rises even more. And this is what I love about the good news of Jesus Christ. You can't out-sin God. Don't try it, by the way. I know what you're thinking. And then he said, this is the next bit. That's why I'm saying this. Verse 13 says, and lead us not into temptation. Some of you are running into temptation. You're picking up that email and you're clicking on it when you knew what was going to be in the content. You are... You are doing the very things he asked you not to do. You're getting sucked into temptation. And, you know, Jesus says, so I want you to pray because you're going to be tempted, okay? You're going to be tempted. So Jesus says, I want you to pray, lead me not into temptation because I know I'm going to be tempted. So God, I'm going to pray, take away what you can take away so I can deal with the stuff that I can deal with. So don't be leading yourself into temptation when you're supposed to be praying, take me away from temptation, God. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. 
In other words, the moment you get tempted and you give in to it, you've now been delivered into the evil one. You become imprisoned. That's what this series is about. It's about setting you free. Wouldn't it be great to be free from all things that are holding you back? And so he begins to explain what he means by forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. In case people are thinking, oh, he's talking about money. Oh, yeah, I owe that money. You need to pay him back. No, he says, no, he clarifies the very next verse. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You may, not be clap, you may not be clapping that hard after I finish this one. He says, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Don't clap so quick. We're going to deal with some stuff this morning. So in the Lord's Prayer, it cemented a passage, an instruction. It says to forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. See, there's a pattern in the prayer of Jesus where he wants heaven, he wants earth to reflect heaven. That's our job. You see, the thing is, we are just like him. We're created in his image and likeness. God is a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Have you heard this teaching before? The three in one. He's only one God, but he serves three different functions. But did you know that you're trinity as well? There's Paul the flesh that you're seeing right now. There's Paul the soul. You can't see it, but I actually got a brain i got a mind. I think I am a conscious being with a seed of emotions called my heart. It's all part of my soul. But I also have a spirit. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit asunder. In other words, you have a soul and you have a spirit and you've got flesh. You're a three in one. You're a trinity. Okay. Let me keep digging deeper. Maybe this will help a little bit. All right. <laughs> The whole prayer is designed to release heaven's will on earth until the goodness, the atmosphere, and the culture of heaven become earth's. Why do we pray for healing? Because there is no sickness in heaven. We want heaven to invade earth. Why do we pray for finances of people who are struggling? Why do we pray for jobs? Because there is no poverty in heaven. There's always employment. Everyone has a purpose and a plan in heaven. Why do we pray for peace over situations when people are going through storms? Because there's peace in heaven. Why do we pray for people struggling with depression? Because there's joy in heaven. We know that. The kingdom of heaven is not about eating or drinking, but of love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is about love, joy, and peace. If you don't have those three things in your life, can I put it to you that maybe you don't have heaven? It's time to repent. It's time to get your lives right with the Lord. So why does the prayer instruct us to forgive? Because we need it to live kingdom lives. Some of you are trying to live in the here and the now, and you are struggling. You're trying to do the right thing, and you're hitting the brick wall, and you keep sinning all the time. And you're thinking, man, what is this about myself? I thought I was saved. I was supposed to, supposed to live this glorious life. God knows that you're going to sin. God knows that you won't live up to the standards he has. That's why Jesus died for you. That's what salvation's all about, so that when you can't live up to his standards, Jesus will help you. He'll cleanse it all, all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness means when you don't do the things he told you to do. 
He's going to set you up so that you are clean, so that you are righteous with him. And so that's why we say this prayer, God, forgive me because I know I can't live right. But he says, if you won't forgive your brother their sin, then I can't forgive you your sin. So you're still living in sin. That lie that you told, you know that pen that you stole from work, that time that you took during work time to do your own thing, you stole from the Lord. And when your boss confronted you about it, then you lied and says, no, I was, I was doing some research for work. Yeah, that's right. I was doing research for work. And then you lied. You stole. And then you lied. And then, of course, you know, you were looking on your phone at the wrong stuff. And now you committed adultery and fornication because Jesus said, you've heard it said under law, don't, com- you know, don't, don't commit adultery, sexual morality. I say to you, even th- if you even think of a woman with lust in your eyes, you already committed the sin. <laughs> Takes a woman to do that. Thank you, sis. <laughs> so do you understand why I'm so excited about the Lord's Prayer? It sets me free. It sets you free. But you can't do it until you are forgiving other people. We get offended. And that's a natural reaction. You, you can't help it. The initial reaction, you get offended. Someone hurt you. I, I get it. I understand it. I get offended too. I know. Hard to believe. I get offended too. But I don't hold on to the offense. I, I forgive people just as fast as they hurt me. I know it's hard to believe. I forgive people as fast as they hurt me. It's gone. Life's too short. I, uh, I've had surgery four times for a pituitary tumor. But I remember the first time it happened. I was so sick coming out of it. I thought I was going to die. And I remember uh, the first, I was there for a whole week. They had to keep me there, different complications. And finally, my wife is bringing me home. And she's just sit here. I'm at Westfield Shopping Center in the food court. It's a big food court. And I'm slumped over the table. I am so sick. I feel like I'm going to throw up in that place. The whole room is swirling. I had this anxiety that I was struggling with, just the hospital kind of anxiety. I felt like I was going to die. I felt like I couldn't breathe. So she's off with the uh, before kid, two kids, little baby she took with her. And then people milling about with their bags. And I'm thinking this amounts to nothing this means nothing all this shopping for what you're gonna die you can't bring it with you what are you this is what i'm thinking at the time slumped over the table looking at these people i was so sick but i realized that's the way we're supposed to be living our christian walk does it really matter at the end of time, at the end of your days, you have a day that God has in mind for you when he's going to call you. Your life will be required of you. Your spirit will be gone. We're so busy trying to live in this little piece of vapor, God calls it, vapor. Your whole life is like a vapor in the, in, in the, in the light of eternity. It's nothing. We try everything to try and prolong that life. We try everything to try, to try and be as comfortable as we can in this life. We do everything we can to store up as much as we can. And at the end of the day, you can't take any of it with you. So heaven is trying to get us to gear our minds again. This is about eternity. This is about living forever. 
This is about having a right relationship. It's being able to sleep. So the forgiveness that he teaches us, it's meant to free you. It is a freedom in heaven, free from torment, free from self-loathing, free from hatred of others. Forgiveness is part of kingdom culture. You see, in heaven, nobody clings to hatred. In heaven, nobody has offenses. In heaven, it is unnatural to be unforgiving. So why are we doing it on earth? If our whole mission in life, I told you about the soul and the spirit because I want you to understand, unlike any other created living being on this planet, you are created differently. You have a soul and you have a flesh like animals do, but you also have a spirit which they don't have. We straddle the natural and the supernatural realm. In the time of Adam and Eve, it was heaven on earth. Eden was heaven on earth. God walked with them in the cool of the day all the time. They recognized his footsteps. He walked with them so often. They never grew old. They were never going to die. That wasn't God's plan. They're supposed to live forever young. Imagine me forever young all the time. No wrinkles, thin, thin. But when sin came into the world, we're introduced with the concept of death now. It wasn't supposed to be part of our lives. Adam and Eve in the garden, they could not tell the difference between supernatural and natural because they were one. Heaven and earth were one. But we have a separation of that, and you are the mediator between God and man. That's what makes you a priest. You are a royal priesthood, and you make the spirit flesh. You hear from heaven and you're able to enact the things that God wants you to do. Did you know what that prayer is supposed to be about? Prayer is more than, thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. It's meant to be calling down heaven decrees when you see there is injustice, when you see that things are not right in the city, when things are not right in your family, when things are not right in your business, things are not right in relationships. You are contending with heaven with decrees, prayers, petitions, and requests, changing and shifting, moving angels and demons, changing the situation around you. That's the authority that God gave you. But some of you approach prayer as if it's a token thing that you do because you're Christian. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you for this car. Thank you for this day. I'm, I'm all about thank yous. That's good, too. Do the things that God asks you to do. Are you praying for his will to be done? Are you praying for forgiveness to be released for those who have hurt you? Are you praying that your circumstances begin to change? I remember hearing the testimony of this old uh, guy who was in his 80s. Uh, he was well known as a prophet in the days. And like every other prophet, every other person, there's going to be media that will speak against him. Others will speak for him. I just like the story that he told. In his 40s, he had stomach cancer and he died. And he appeared before the Lord and he says that it was this long line in heaven is what he saw. And what would happen is each person had to appear before Jesus and he would ask them one question. And for some of them, it was tears and gnashing of teeth as they went to hell. They, they, could not stand, they could not stay with Jesus. But for others, they entered into heaven. And when he got closer, he found out what Jesus was asking. He said this one question. He said, did you learn to love? That's the only question he asked. Did you learn to love? See, while... He was living and breathing on this planet. One of the 
teachers of the law who knew and memorized the entire Old Testament books. He asked Jesus one question. He said, if you could take all the law and the prophets, all these things we have to obey and fulfill, and roll it down into one singular idea that was easy for anyone to understand, how would you phrase it? How would you say it? How would you state it? And Jesus said, that's easy. Love God with all your heart, everything. And then love others as you love yourself. If you follow those key thoughts, you will fulfill every single law in the Bible. That person hurt you. That person offended you. Did you love them enough to see the good in them and let it go? Or did you remain in your hurt, nursing it, maybe telling other people about it because you're so hurt, you want everyone else to know how hurt you really are? Or did you love them and realize, that's my brother, that's my sister, they would never do anything willingly to stab me in the heart. So there's something else going on. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. See, this world and the patterns of this world have a way of causing you to think about yourself first. And you already know that what you see isn't clear. It's not really truth. When Jesus said, the truth will set you free. I was looking this up. That word truth can also mean reality. Reality will set you free. When you know the full circumstances of that person's life, what was going on, they had a bad day, their marriage was splitting up, they lost a business contract that was very dear, they're about to lose their house. When you understand the full reality, what's happening in their lives, I think you'd be more quick to forgive, more quick to love but we're so caught up in the patterns of this world, all we can think about is our own need, our own hurt, our own experience. And so we read them the way we see ourselves, and we don't give them the benefit of the doubt, but we give ourselves a break all the time. I never did anything wrong. I, I do that with counseling. I bring people together. I never did it. It's all her. All her? I know this much from experience in counseling. It takes two to tango. It's never just one person. God created us with this incredible capacity to love. The Bible says that we are made in the image of the living God. We look like him. We even sound like him when we speak good words of affirmation. We talk like he does. You're looking handsome today, Pete. You're looking good today, Sarah. You're looking great today, Bella, who's a model, by the way. Because God is love. That's how the Bible says. God is love. God is good. Then when we were created in his image and likeness, we are created for good. We are created for love. And when, when, we, when we fill our hearts with something else other than love, it's like putting water in your petrol tank, or like I did. I bought my new diesel SUV last year, and I filled it with unleaded petrol. 
I filled the tank. I did what I'm supposed to do. It says to fill the tank. Even paid the money. But it wasn't the right fuel. The car is not designed. My diesel engine is not designed for petrol. It's designed for diesel. Thank you, Nick. I did it twice, by the way. <laughs> I know. I know. I've learned. Thank God for godly men and mechanics help me out. But you're filling your tank with hatred. You're filling your tank with unforgiveness. You're filling your tank with offense. You're wondering why your life is, your car is shuddering. I'm going to tell you, it's going to shut down. Car is not designed. That diesel engine is not designed to run on anything else but love. The engine of your heart is designed to love. There is no place for hatred in it. This morning, I know as you come before the throne of God, the throne of heaven, that light of heaven is shining on your heart. You can't lie to God. You can't lie to him when he says, did you learn to love? Bob Jones, he was saying that what happened was when they said, I did. I loved you and I love people. And Jesus says, yes, you did. Enter into everlasting love. And the people would enter through Jesus' heart. That's how they entered heaven. It's all about love. It's been nothing else but love. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.